Okay, who is Jude Law? Why is he in every movie I have seen? He's in everything! He's in everything! He's gay, he's straight, he's American, he's British. Next year he's playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the movie. Forgive my compromised sense of humor. But I did want to answer our host question. Jude Law is, he's, he's one of our finest actors. Sandy, you get the horse. This is a thing. You're looking Hello, for something and more. Welcome to law school. <laughs> <laughs> a word? A podcast about Jude Law and Jude Law films. I'm Fran Hoffner. I'm Caroline Simons. We had a doozy this week, guys. First of all, happy Thanksgiving. I can timestamp this because I'll put it out. Okay. It's a movie oh, about yeah. family. Is that true? Are you is that true? No, who can say? If it's not true, I cut it out. Easy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Sandra, you should introduce yourself. You're you're basically on now, you know. No, you're the you're the producer of the podcast. There's a formula for this. My role has changed significantly in this, you I, know, post COVID. Yeah, world. a lot of the world is very different. Things are different now than they used to be, and that is just a simple truth of a complex concept. Yeah, my name is Sander Randall, and I have the lowest movie IQ of anyone in this room. We're not in the same room, though. In this digital room. Oh. In this Skype In this room. chat room. We're on Skype. We're on Skype. We're on Skype. Shout out to Skype. All right. You guys, we watched The Nest, a movie that was supposed to have come out in theaters and that some people did see in a theater at Sundance this year before it, before it all. Boggles the mind. Sundance happened January. This premiered at Sundance. And now we have our release. I would have loved to have seen this in theaters. This would have been great to see in theaters. Let's, a, a little bit of context. Uh, the Nest is a, tw- is a 2020 film written and directed by Sean Durkin. And this is, this is a contemporary Jude. This is the most recent Jude we can talk about. Which is thrilling for us as scholars, fans, podcasters. Because otherwise, the most recent Jude we could have talked about was last season of Young Pope, The New Pope, which I famously have still not finished. And I famously rewatch a lot. Additionally, we could have talked about The Third Day. But we didn't want to do that. The HBO miniseries he was just on. The cool thing about having your own podcast, though, is you can make up the rules as you go, and we are not obligated to watch The Third Day if we're not feeling it. Which we didn't. We, it's, I just want to let the listeners know who are like, I don't know what The Third Day is. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. It's six episodes. Jude Law's only in three of them. We could not get through it. <laughs> no, it's like we watch episode one. We both kept kicking the can down the road until we left the can by the side of the road, drove past. Because, in part because I don't think the show will get better than the first 10 minutes of the first episode, in which Jude Law fully sobs to the dog days are over. Yeah, that was great. What else? In the woods. I don't care about anything else. In the woods, by like a river. A creek. a creek. Yeah, that was great. Um, there was a live event in conjunction with the third day, some marketing ploy, artistic endeavor. Some theater thing. Right. Immersive theater. And we both missed it, which is awesome. Um, because we I'm have sure stuff to we do. I'm sure we recording. There might be recording, but like there was a day, it was like a Saturday, they're like, tune in for 12 hours to watch this live No, I know, cam. and it started at like 4 a.m. It's, it's, oy oy, it's Brit time. It's Brit time. It's Brit time. Um, We're on Jude time, Brit time. We both missed it, but apparently there was the, the, the big takeaway of that was Jude like carried a cross or built a cross or did something for an extended period of time that was like people were like, holy cow. But we both missed that. 
We both missed it. It's what it is, which is why it feels like kind of a big deal to talk about the nest. This is our sort of big Jude of the year. We're finally logging on to what Jude's been up to in 2020. Oh, I watched um, that Skype Q&A he did for the nest, which was great. Oh, With Stephen Daldry, which is great. Where, who does he text? Where He's, he, does he text though? He's, he's talking to Stephen Daldry from like a, yeah, ca- from like a, a someone... cottage in outside of London. He's like, I'm here. His, his wife, um, noted business psychologist, uh, Philippa had just had the baby. Sure. They're yeah. in the cottage. He's like, I'm outside of London, a cottage, which is obviously, we don't have to tell you the holiday core. Um, he's wearing a scarf. He has a beard. He looks great. He's having fun. He kept saying, oh, we're here for like the long weekend. So I'm like, clearly he means Yom Kippur. Like I couldn't think of any other holiday that was going on that weekend, but Monday was <laughs> Yom Kippur. And I'm like, is he? No. But like, what else was happening? It was like a random September, was it September weekend? And he kept saying, oh, we're yeah, out here for like the long weekend. I'm like, the only thing happening on Monday is Yom Kippur. Um, Unless yeah, there's like I- a boxing day adjacent holiday like one of those that's only on the british calendars that i don't know about uh if you live in england and there was a holiday weekend that we didn't know about in september let us know yeah call sander and let him know it was like a lot of um, wars they got a lot of wars in england that they engaged maybe it was like war weekend like a remembrance day like a remember like yeah. dunkirk remembrance day D- yeah oh i found okay they, someone asked who he keeps in touch with, and the one I couldn't locate was Sam Rockwell. And I was like, from what? I mean, I don't think from any specific... Oh, he, he dropped uh, Robert Downey Jr. as someone he talks to, but he kept calling him Robert Downey, which I guess is funny, because to his face, I would never call him Robert Downey Jr. He is not a junior to me, but he, he, kept, he keeps in touch with Robert Downey. That's what he said on the call, which I loved. For sure. You know, so much of this podcast is about what what was Jude and what Jude could still be and is still. And I think The Nest is very much a film about that. Absolutely. The potential of Jude. The potential of Jude. Mm -hmm. Like what Jude represents, what Jude can be. Jude is, uh, is, I mean, we love Jude. This is a podcast that exists because we love Jude. But it is astonishing to me that outside of the sort of, you know, crimes of Grindelwald, (laughs) how much Jude Law fare is effectively commentary on the star persona of Jude Law. Like, he is so well cast so much of the time. He doesn't do that much right now. Exactly. I think he does one big thing a year, if that. Right, he gets a Grindelwald paycheck, and then this year he had, like, some great stuff lined up. Because he's selective. He's great. And then he's going to be Captain Hook. He is going to be Captain Hook. I really hope that still comes through. Captain Cook. Captain Hook. Okay. You said Cook? If that's what, Did you say Cook? I think you said Captain Cook. I, this, I mean, this look. This bitch we'll, said Captain Cook. <laughs> we'll have to listen to playback. I mean, I hope I said that. Caroline, what's the nest about? You want to give us a little rundown? You're kind to give me that, and I would like to. All right. Okay, this is what I've been dying to know, because I watched oh. the damn thing, and... I'm like, Caroline, what's this movie about? You know, here's the... Sandy's like asking us like, wait, what did this mean? What did this mean? I'm like, you get it, buddy. You get this movie. You understand what's going on. It's all there. When I talk to people about classical music and they're like, I just don't understand classical music. I'm like, you're choosing not to under... Like classical music is there for you to listen to. It's like meant to be heard. Mm -hmm. 
You're overthinking it. All right. What is the nest about? Sandy asks. We have power couple Jude Law, Carrie Coon, who are both in top-notch form. I also don't think I like this movie as much as Fran did, I think, but I will do I know. I want to get into this, but you have to say say what's going on. All right. They're a couple. Um, Jude Law is skirted by as charming finance man, business adjacent, mergers and acquisitions type guy. And Rory. Rory. It's Rory. He has a child's name, but an adult's job. I knew a Rory growing up, actually. Yeah, a child. Yeah, as a child. Correct. I hope he's, well, I guess now he's not a child. Again, a child's name on a grown man. He picks up his family for what we are kind of, what they hint at is one of a series of times where he has uprooted the family on his whims of chasing after a better, brighter future for everyone without really keeping track of what his family actually needs. Jude moves on to this new business venture in the UK. He's overspending and things start to unravel as he pushes this dream and persona a little too far. They start running out of money. They can't pay these bills. They live in this big, empty Tudor castle mansion house, which is obviously a symbol. But also they just can't fill the house with furniture. And Carrie Coon every step of the way is checking him like, we can't afford this. We can't afford a pied-a-terre. Like she's in this floor-length mink and she's like, you can't afford this apartment. That's the best scene in the movie. Um, she gets the, gets her these horses. She's like a horse trainer. She's clearly from money. They mention she grew up in New York. She trains horses. I got that Well, vibe. she's not. she's not from money. I got the I vibe think. she, if you are. He like picked her up off the street, basically. No. I, he's lying when he, she said, he says she's from New York. Oh, really? How do you know that? The look on her face. She's so pissed at him when he says that. I think she's just pissed at him in general for like, blow, like for touting anyone's, you I know. assumed it was a lie. And if she is from New York, she's not from like Manhattan. She's from like, I don't know, Albany or something. Yonkers. Jersey City, maybe. Maybe she's Jersey City. Yeah, she probably was, Fran. You and Carrie Coon. blow-up scene where Jude Jude is is basically saying, like, you owe me everything. So I think think you're right, Fran. Yeah, I think he picked... So she... The thing also... And she had the daughter from the first marriage. Or first whatever. We don't even know that it was a marriage. She had a daughter from, like, from before Jude. It's not Jude's daughter. They have... They have one biological kid between them. Right. There's older daughter, there's a teenage daughter, there's a young sensitive boy, there's Carrie Coon, there's Jude Law in this giant house, and Jude Law is desperately clawing at this idea of wealth and who he wants to be, and he just can't fully make it, and no one in his family is getting what they need, everyone is unhappy, everyone is distant, everyone is drifting apart, everyone is acting out, lashing out, and they're miserable, Um, and at the end, you sort of think they've all reached a reckoning and who knows what the next day will bring it's a family drama they have yeah 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 um that's my summary well done i mean it's you you. know it's a couple's movie it's it is sort of the jude and carrie movie oh they're both great by the way i gotta say like it's it's carrie coon's show she's amazing and that's not to say jude is bad in the film because jude is great in the film but it's carrie Um, coon's show but carrie coon gets to gets to really have the fun, I think. Yeah, she gets all the big, she gets all the big moments, I think. She gets to snap, she gets to be snide. She gets to be drunk and dancing, she gets to like... She gets to smoke all the cigarettes, drink all the wine, drink all the coffee. She gets to go... At a horse. She gets to cry over her horse, she gets to... 
If you're a person who doesn't want to see something bad happen to a horse, this is not the movie for you. Skip it. I almost texted my friend, oh, a great horse movie, but I held back and thank God, because 20 minutes later, not a good horse movie. I have a whole horse thing, so this was brutal on me, but it's Do you I'm like, fine. are you a horse? A horse I can't, I literally can't get into this on the podcast. Why no, not? I don't. But I have some horse trauma. Oh, Really? We're not getting it. I don't want to have a therapy session on the pod, but yeah. Okay. I'll hit you up later. This is awesome. Not awesome. Yeah, we can, this can be for DMs. This is for DMs. I mean, and if, and if listeners want to call me on my phone. <laughs> and you all know the number, uh, guys. It's 84. You either got it now or you don't. I don't have time for this, but hit up Fran. I'm, if I'm not on the pod, I'm in the DMs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the way we are right now. Sandy, you had questions about the horse. From the moment I saw the trailer, I was like, there's going to be something with this horse. Like, the horse features half of the trailer. But this horse sort of has a little, what is it, a seizure or like something, and, and they have to put it down. Then the kid, the, the son of Jude and Carrie, comes into the field and sees something with the horse's burial plot and like runs to grab everyone and comes back out. And then Carrie Coon's like digging it up and she's crying. And I'm like, did Jude stab the horse? Is there a mystery here? Is the horse still alive? No. Distraught. No, you get it. She's just, she's just having a breakdown and like bad time to come across your beloved horse carcass. She's just having a breakdown. Well, the son, I think, think, convinces himself that he has seen the horse still breathing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's how when you live in a big house or, I don't know, a place with long hallways and you, I don't know, did you guys ever, like, if you, like, got up in the middle of the night when you were a kid to, like, go to the bathroom, would you, like, sprint back to your bedroom? I think this is, like, him going out in the yard seeing something scary that is not literally happening, getting so afraid, and then bringing Carrie Coon out, and then she just, yeah, has her, like, meltdown digging up the horse to apologize, because she almost, like, she basically, like, had it put down in almost, like, a fit of sadness that she didn't really even grapple with it, because while this was happening, Jude was, like, you know, Rory O'Hara had not come home in two days (laughs) or something. Right, it's like childhood monsters under the bed, thing where you run and get mom and mom says oh don't worry about it honey go back to sleep but like no one is in a good place right now so rather than mom being reassuring presence of like yes sweetie it's sad life and death she just instead uh has a full-on meltdown did either of you feel like this movie was going to take a pivot because i got i got like i got like someone's gonna die vibes i got there's gonna be a ghost yeah that's that's kind of why i wanted more from this movie no I think the movie wants you to think it could, but one of the things I really like about the film is that it doesn't take that. I think that would almost be too easy, and it's, like, kind of worse that it's, like, the thing that's messed up about this family is the family. Kind of my main gripe about this movie is the acting is superb. I feel like they could have moved up. If they had moved up every event in this movie, like, 20 minutes into the movie and just kind of progressed stuff a little bit quicker, you would still get slow burning unraveling family drama but it would leave you space for a more climactic moment i get where what the climactic moment was but i don't think it's significant enough i don't really think there's a huge payoff i buy everything that is happening in this world i'm not saying i need i don't know it didn't really carry me through i think everyone's amazing in it i just wish they gave them more stuff 
Also, I really do not like when you set up the camera at one side of the room and you just let the scene play out, but every single scene. Like, it seems like something you talk about in, like, pre-production and the actors love it because it's theater, and then you get in there and you stubbornly stick to it when usually you'd kind of be like, oh, you know what? While we're here today, let's get this, let's get a few more things. Let's, like, follow through what the scene needs and feels, but, like, it seemed almost dogmatic to be like, Yep, the thing in this movie is the camera's going to stay at the doorway and this action's going to play out. And again, it's theater, baby, but if you're doing a movie, you don't just you don't just set up a camera in the corner and film I the t- action. I just, like, totally disagree with you on this. I mean, I don't like... I, I just think that's a great aspect of this film. And, like, if you have two good theater-ish people the way you have Jude Law and Carrie Coon, why not give them some sort of, like theater mechanics to let them really flex but I also did not find that that effect really like took away for like I don't think it is like every scene is like that I think like some scenes are like that it did feel almost like applying a template to it as a matter of principle and not what actually served the script they're just having such a bad time in that space that I'm just sort of like yeah let them have the bad time in the space here's here's what I like about Jude Law's performance in this movie and what I like about the Rory character in general. This is a marriage with many issues, but one of the issues it does not have is that this is not um, an affair movie. And this is not a movie where the sin is being horny. Um, Because I think we've seen that from Jude and it's almost borderline expected of Jude because he's hot and he exudes a a sort of like, you know, a, a sexual charisma. And he has that in this film, but it's only ever applied to like, his business stuff because this is a guy who's always getting a new job and then like burning out of it within like six months this is like jude the charlatan which is such a good jude so good it's so good it's sort of like dickie greenleaf it's dickie greenleaf i was just so relieved that like a layer of this is not like and here's his 20 year old girlfriend like that's not what's wrong with him what's wrong with him is that he's a fucking fraud exactly yeah And he has, like, absolutely no sense of, like, how to maintain wealth. You know, he says this in the movie, but he's a guy who at one point had $1 million and I think has been trying to get back to that point every part of his life since then. And, like, I think that also speaks to a certain sort of lower and maybe even, like, middle class experience of, like, if you gave me $100, if you gave me $100, I wouldn't know what to do with it. If you gave me $1 million, I really would not know what to do with it. And I think it would break my brain to have. And I, and it, who knows if I would just be like, and now I'll be happy forever. It's like, no, I'd probably keep wanting to like return on the investment or whatever and stuff like that. Right. And it's sort of like, oh, now they've reached the million dollar club. Here are all the trappings that come with it. It doesn't matter that these places are worth more than a million dollars. It's like, well, now they run these circles. I'm supposed to have all of these things. He's, he's, he's learning how to act rich on the fly and is so ferocious in defending this idea of wealth. And he's like learning how to be rich and he's obsessed with the idea of being rich and how to perform that. Another thing about that movie though is they, I thought it was very misplayed to have him meet with his mom and like talk about his past at like the end, like near the end of the movie. I'm like, this isn't a reveal. Like, at this point, I know this guy. My core issue with the movie, and this is not with Jude, is that there are two scenes, that and when he just takes the cab home from the restaurant, Mm -hmm. where Jude 
Jude's character is like, time to explain what my deal is. Yep. Like, I'm smart enough to know what his deal is. Right. I don't need to ha- have him explain it. And we're and given like, that. Like, it's it's there's great stuff in there. It's like, I get the scene in the cab. I get you meeting your mom and being like, people were absent in my life and I didn't have support and I was poor growing up. I'm like, we don't need that at minute 55. Like, I get that. This is dragging us down. Yeah. But I still, I still liked it and had a great time. I mean, look, I'll I had say, a great time, I'll say too. that much. Like, Jude looks great. Jude looks great. Carrie Coon, incredible. Everyone's acting top-notch. Do you want to place him on the Matrix? You place him on the Matrix, dude. He's British and he's straight. There it is. His hair looks, you know, how it has been looking lately, which is good. good. He's wearing a lot of, like, it early on in the film, the film takes place in the 1980s, he does wear an outfit that is sort of in my regular outfit repertoire, which is sort of like a long sleeve maroon sweater. And or like I wear a crew neck, a plain crew neck sweatshirt and then like belted, tucked into belted jeans. I was like, I wear that like once a week. So to see him wear something I wear and look better than me was like really special. That's awesome. I'm really happy you had that. I liked when you said that if someone were bringing me coffee every single day, I like wouldn't have any problems. Is that whatever the whatever you said? Yeah, so an aspect of their marriage is that every single, like, Jude wakes up early, Carrie sleeps in a little, and every morning he brings her a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. I guess I assumed it was coffee. It could be tea. Something in a mug. Yeah. And I just thought if someone woke me up every morning by bringing me a mug of warm coffee, I don't give a shit if they're broke. I don't care if they're doing white-collar crimes. I don't care if they bought a house all in credit. I don't care if... They're the reason I my horse had to get shot. Um, All is forgiven. You'd I'm actually happy. prefer it. I'm happy. You'd prefer I'm it if happy. he's the reason your horse got shot. You want that horse out of your mansion. I don't know if that's where I'm at with horses, but it's close. I'm just like taking um, like blinding, like blind, yeah. like little glances at it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like Barbara Walters get an answer out of you on the horse thing. I'm just saying I would find a way to be happy. Yeah. Sandra, you ever ridden a horse? Yeah, I um my first mom, she was a big horse, big horse person. Um so I would I would ride horses every couple of weeks. Um but I was like 7 and like you just don't know what you're doing. I feel like a horse doesn't like respect you. You're like basically no. a little backpack. Yeah, you, know? you are. You're not you're not like you're a, a little flesh commanding backpack. presence on their back. No, know? they don't but, care. They're big dogs, um, yeah. But you got to go to you got to go to Iceland where you're the same size as the horse. Oh, ah, oh, how the yeah. tables have turned. The dog is small I was, now. I was at the cloisters yesterday and there's a, there's like ah. sort of an almost life-size picture, uh, a sculpture of Jesus on a donkey. Oh, and that's cool. It's same just like, vibes. Same vibes. That seems like, Sandy do you like get Iceland. your picture taken with it? How is it like amidst flowers or can you like walk up to it and get a pic with Jesus no, on the like donkey? No, it's like straight, it's like in the main, one of the main halls of the cloisters is Jesus on a donkey. Did you get and a it's picture? Like sort of comically, it looks like it's a carnival ride. Like it's very round. What's his facial expression on the donkey? Is he like happy or is he like going to work? I feel like they didn't have, they weren't in the style of making What's the facial animals. expression of the donkey? No, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Oh, gee, I thought you were saying the donkey. I was like, Yeah, no. it sounded no. like you were asking about the donkey. It absolutely sounded don- like you were saying the donkey. No, I'm, it's, well, what's, what's Jesus' facial expression? Um, I don't recall. I was too busy paying attention to the donkey. Not paying respects to Christ. Not paying attention to Jesus again, I see. All right. Yeah, but, no, I did ride horses when I was little, but, you know, seeing these horse things, I'm like, 
Yeah, I don't. It doesn't honestly, it doesn't bring back anything, or like I don't have any. Uh, uh, oh, she's doing that right, doing that wrong, whatever. It's like I have zero experience essentially. She, because she's training the horses like upstate yeah. too when they're in New York. That's where I got the money thing from. Between the horses and him saying she was from Manhattan, I was just like, oh, okay, like this is your thing. But she could have just been a horse lady. I think she was just a regular horse lady. I have a solution to Jude's money problem. Sell all that freaking furniture. The big table. The big table. They have the world's biggest table. But no one wants to buy it. That's a thousand dollars. That's five. I know, I know, I know. And Tristan and I, yeah, my roommate Tristan and I kept talking about their big table. We're like, you sell that big historical table. No, no, no. You guys are fools because he says that not many houses can even fit a table like this anymore. It would just be dead on the market. No one would buy There's it. freaks all over England. Every movie is about how many freaks live in England. But I'm all sure those freaks have their own table from like, That's you know, true. Elizabethan <sighs> times. Like here's the other banquet table that came with the house and it doesn't even fit out the door. You know, it comes God with the damn. house. America really is a perfect country because all of our tables are normal sized. That house was so big, but it was, yeah, it was like, you only, we got a couple of exterior shots of it where like Jude's like coming out of the woods and you're just like, holy shit. I don't like Tudor style houses usually because they're dark, but this one was so big that I think enough light came in the tiny little windows that I would be like, this is fine. Which O'Hara child do you identify as? The rude older daughter doing drugs or the sensitive son having a nervous breakdown? Um, I feel like rude older daughter doing drugs because she just like causes a scene inadvertently and just quietly goes to puke in a corner, which I feel like would be how I would have reacted at the time slash now. Sure. I was, I had flashbacks to Hereditary when that scene was happening. Yeah. Oh, the party. I was also yeah. very worried. I was like, I hope this doesn't become hereditary. Um, yeah, with a kid like being neglected and dying. I don't like it when mm-hmm. kids die in the movies or real life. No. Or real life, I should say. Okay. I feel like I identify with the with the son. I mean, I I think I don't have it in me to be as snarky as the daughter. I agree. She had that... some good. She had some good burner lines. Oh, she really went for that. mom. They're too. They're so close. They've been through so much together, and she just weaponizes that. It was cruel. Girls are cruel. Um, Children. I, are cruel. Do you think that if my stepfather was a man who looked like Jude Law or was Jude Law, I would develop a complex? Mm-hmm. But in any other case, I'm the son. I'm like crying and locking myself in a secret room until I fall asleep. Nice. Did he get locked in that room or did he lock himself? He locked in that himself, room? I'm pretty sure. He locked himself in there and then fell asleep, I think. Yeah. Really the person I do identify with the most is like the straight and narrow guy that Jude works with who's pursuing a boring business uh, venture. Wasn't Austin Graves or something. So that's a good name. Um no, the, the, yeah, the <laughs> whatever the Norwegian fish farm thing was and then he kind of like gets pissy at Jude for like Steve. trying to his friend, his Steve. coworker Steve. Yeah, like for Jude for trying to commandeer with his like flash and pizzazz. Like, what? I'm charming them. And Fish Farm guys, like, just let me close the deal. I don't want you on this. I identify with that like, guy. Like, please be normal. Yeah. Yeah. Can you stop? Like, stop blaming your wife. Stop I- dragging me into this. I don't want to hear about your family problem. You're being a little much. Not everyone's obsessed with you, Jude Law. I'm just trying to close on the fish farm. Um, I was obsessed with the man who played Jude's boss. 
Oh, absolutely. Michael, oh, Michael Davis Culkin, is the boss. who plays Arthur Davis. Yes, the yeah. most British-looking man in the world I've, who's, like, all jowl. I've jowled. never seen Michael Culkin before in my life. I guess he's been on The Crown, a show I quit watching years ago. Um, oh, I love The Crown. Let me see. What's amazing, amazing man. All neck. All neck. All neck. Incredible to look at. Amazing smile. Isn't it interesting, the, the, the comparison between Michael Culkin and Jude Law is, like, here's an actual successful businessman, and here's a fake successful businessman and they're just like kind of polar opposites yes absolutely and it's just like the they're different just... generation part of it of like you know this is the stiff upper lip like world war ii generation here's like 80s wall street guy and stiff upper lip is like you gotta like build up for you know the whatever the opposite of a bull market is i don't give a shit you know money stuff um, no, I mean, that's one of the best scenes in the movie where he's like, it does not matter how good you are doing when you're doing well. It matters how good you're doing when you're doing poorly. Yes, which also gave yeah. us literally our first close-up of the movie where they do this, like, scent, like fish-eye, like, kind of looking center punch close-up of the boss giving him, like, a talk, a dressing down. And I was like, ooh, we're making a point, huh? All right, then. The Nest is so good, you guys. I think this movie's great, and I hope you warm to it over the course of your long, long lives. Thank you so much. I mean, look, I had a great time, great performances. I never saw... This is great late-era Jude. We don't get a lot of good, like, dramatic late-era Jude. Right. That isn't, like, obsessed with he's hot. We're obsessed with he's hot, to be sure, but, like, it's all, like, charlatan charisma Jude, and I think that's really, really good. We love... We love when the hotness is weaponized. We love when the hotness is weaponized, and when it bleeds over into other aspects, it's not all focused on, like, sexual performance. Because if you're hot, it ruins your life. Totally. Skews everything. Yeah. You don't, you underdevelop all your other skills if you're too hot. Yeah. I've always said this. This is why I have perfect social skills. (laughs) Ugly rights. This is sort of my new thing is, like, ugly rights. Really? Is that your new phrase? Yeah, I just sort of, I'm like, I think about sort of who exists, who's like advocating for ugly rights. This is kind of my Billy Joel thing. Are you, I really wish like, I understood Billy, Billy Joel, Joel is stuff. big for ugly rights. Is that from him as a person, his songs? Again, I don't know. I feel like every week he, I'm like, I've let you down by not knowing about Billy Joel. I, don't, I kind of can't get into how much he means to me, but I know he he's means just a not a guy. You. He's not a guy who's hot and yet he maintains sort of the classic sad horniness we associate with most stereotypically hot people cool i told you my director's like singing he's like you don't know captain jack i'm like i don't know anything about billy joel i'm letting down one of my closest friends all the time by not knowing i would actually rather have you not know about billy joel than hate billy joel which is what many people do (laughs) yeah i think it's easy i i do know it's easy to rag on billy joel the thing though that's funny the way i'm like coasting on this right now is the main uh reference point i have for billy joel is that clip of him like wigging the fuck out at a concert in russia and he throws the microphone stand at his keyboard player and storms off like that's the thing i know most about billy joel i know he's better now i know that's like peak bad times i'm not making fun of him but that is like the main thing i know about billy joel and the piano like in general yeah that's a that's a fine thing to know about him yeah and it's kind of funny i'm like what if this is as deep as i go kind of a thing that's like if you only knew Christian Bale from the Terminator Freakout. I love the Terminator Freakout. There we go. I love that. Yeah, I have, I have you know go. what? I learned what I like. And that's not a way to go about the world, but that's what I'm up to. This was a good movie. Okay, thank you. I, thank look, you, guys. I never said it, <laughs> I never said it was bad. I'm just saying, like, 
They could have given him more. I think it's exceptional casting and performances. Carrie Coon, the god. Yeah, I mean, I hate when movies say what they're about in the last 20 minutes, which mm-hmm. this definitely suffers from, but... Right. I think it's, for me, that's such, like, a blow again. Like, that's something I really dislike, so it, for me personally, drags down other things. Sure. Sander, where are you coming down on it? Okay. For me, the reason why I recommend this movie, the the moments of, like, Carrie Coon being a freaking badass for, like, three seconds on screen. And then it's like, boom, next thing, next thing. And then she gets another moment where she's just being a badass. She's looking cool. I think I emotionally felt enriched by those moments. The ending, I was like, okay, there, the credits are rolling. What, what, what's, what's, I feel like I missed it. We're about to get to the point where things are about to break down and happen and you have like the big conflict and then it like ends and I was like okay cool uh unconventional and I could probably be easily convinced that that's a good decision and is effective I'm with you there I wanted a little more but we love seeing our friends so you both of you would recommend this movie highly easily easily what else is anyone fucking doing what else is anyone doing that's the truth but no I'm doing nothing yeah we can all watch we everyone should watch the nest that wasn't really, that didn't sound genuine, but, you know, it's beautiful, it's good, Carrie Coon the best. It's great Jude. It's great Jude. It's you really either, great Jude. You either want to watch Jude in the Nest, or you're someone who's like, I love Jude Law and Captain Marvel, and <laughs> as Al, young Albus, like. And if that, and if you aren't that person, no, we do want shit. to hear from you. <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah, if you're a person who only knows Jude Law from Crimes of Grindelwald, please call in. What if you're um, like the guy who plays no, like, Dumbledore in, in the new Commander shit's... movies? Who is that? I... <laughs> Jude does all that shit so he can do shit like the nest, and I'm glad. And I'm glad he does totally. shit like the Totally, but I want to know who's the person that's like, oh, young Dumbledore. Like that's the touchstone. Like who are you? I mean, you're 11, but ask your mom for permission to talk to us. I guess you know. Mm-hmm. Wishing Jude a great 2021. Excited to see what he's lined up. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Sander. Thank you, Sander. No, thank you. Oh, heck. Thank you both. We're here for each other, and we're here for you. Thank you guys so much. Good night. Good night.